You've already gathered by now, we're going to talk about having more of a focus on the present moment. And I guess maybe a place to start would be just to say, why is that important? Don't we all have elements in our past that were pretty cool? Right? I mean, like when I think of my, I'm pretty sure it was either my eighth or my ninth birthday, that was the best birthday party I have ever had in my life. When I think back of it, and part of it, of course, is seeing it through a child's eyes and all, right? But it was, uh, first of all, it was a glorious day, and we were outside. And in Newport, Oregon, in December, to be outside and have it be a glorious day, right away, you know, some magic was involved, some, so, something beyond the ordinary was involved. And I, I swear to gosh, it was like a summer day in December, and we were outside. My parents had arranged, of all things, ponies. I mean, I'd never been on a horse before. I don't know that I'd ever even seen a horse before. And here, of all things, were like ponies for the kids. And we had cake, and it was a glorious day. And as the, the, the afternoon wore on, there was, there was hide-and-seek. And it was just like full of kids, zany fun, crazy, you know, just feeling loved up to the max. What would be wrong with living in that moment? Can you see? I'm lit up by it. Is there something wrong with enjoying that moment? I will say one thing. It's kind of spoiled birthdays since then. (laughs) Right? When we have an unusually good memory of something, doesn't it tend to set a bar by which we might judge and, and decide other things? So there's maybe a caution around this, pulling up how good the good old days are because don't they take the shine off what's going on right now? Let me do a reverse story, though. So if that was 8 and 9, it was either 10 or 11 when I had the worst Christmas on the planet. And I can remember it, I got to tell you, just as clearly as that beautiful birthday. For To begin with, I had rheumatic fever, and so I was really sick. And I remember, uh, it must be contagious, right? I don't know that much about rheumatic fever, but at least at that point in time, it was also like I was being shunned. (laughs) It was like no one wanted to be around us. Normally our Christmases were full of people and friends and there were parties and there were presents. and, And it was though my illness permeated the entire family and, and, and my entire outlook on everything. It's like the Christmas that never was, except it's worse than that. Because if it just hadn't have been, there wouldn't be that memory of it. And I got to tell you, there's a problem with that memory too, because it tended to color quite a few Christmases after that. For a number of years, I had this idea that when the holidays would get close... I would start to not feel so well. And I would start thinking about, ooh, what, what will happen if, you know, I get sick again this year? And I remember there was a while, there was a while there when it was even talked about in my family. Well, it can't be too close to Christmas because Larry isn't sick yet. So I'd like to suggest that whether our memories are good ones or whether our memories are bad ones, living in the past has its hazards for what's going on right now. And I'll tell you why. 
There's some actual research done on this that I think you'll find interesting. Uh, this particular study was done in, in Toronto. The human brain is wired to remember emotionally charged events while discarding mundane information, like where you left your car keys. Emotional or traumatic events, like special occasions or accidents, are interpreted more keenly by our brains and stored with greater coherence. It makes them easier to recall. Meanwhile, the brain processes everyday occurrences with just a minimum of detail, which is why people can recall significant events from their childhood, you know, the best birthday party, the worst Christmas, but they can't recall the name of a television show that they watched the day before. And uh, here's a quote from Rebecca Todd, one of the scientists. We've discovered that we see things that are emotionally arousing with greater clarity than those that are more mundane. What's more, we found that how vividly we perceive something in the first place predicts how vividly we will remember it later on. It's like the flash of a flashbulb that illuminates an event as it is captured for memory. And they go on to say that when we recall the event, we rewrite that pattern, that area in the brain, and add even more illumination and, quote, clarity to it. But unfortunately, the second time around, the clarity also comes with our kind of adding or embellishing or enhancing the feelings that go with it. And so part of what we think of people as they get older, spinning tall tales, they're not spinning tall tales. That's actually how they remember it now. Because in the telling it, in the recalling of it, of course, they add some of their own memory embellishment. Suddenly they're adding bits and pieces of their 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth birthdays in with that one that they really recall, and suddenly there are ponies there. How could there have been ponies in November, Larry? Are you crazy? No one on this planet would have had ponies in the middle of the winter in Newport, Oregon. That probably is a piece of a memory from some other time that I really felt loved and the sweetness of life. And it isn't that I'm making up the story. It's true for me now. One of the other reasons that we need to be a little bit careful about living in the past is it didn't even happen the way that we remember it. And for those of you with brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles, have you ever compared notes on a family traditional holiday or something like that? And someone will say, oh my gosh, that's not what happened. Uncle Bill came late that day. And, and Aunt Sally, that was the year the potato salad went bad. Are you crazy? We will all have different memories. And it's not that we're making it up or fibbing. The trouble is, it's just the way our brains work. We will tend to highlight the really positive things and the really negative things, and with the recalling of them and the retelling of them, we will start smashing in things that will make them more negative and more positive. And then, what, of course, we do with that is what? We base our current, our current state and our future on it. We begin thinking, well, if that's what birthday parties are like, right? Even though that isn't what birthday parties are like, 
here's what I can expect for my next birthday party, or here's the standard for it, here's the way I can expect it to be. Or if it's something negative, that, that love affair that went so terribly, terribly wrong, it colors how we approach dating, it colors the, the, the next love affair that we have. So living in the past is an interesting proposition that I will further and finally illustrate with a joke. So a man is standing on an island with just a dog and a pig. After eating nothing but bananas and coconuts for about a year, that pig starts looking kind of tasty. But by then, the pig and the dog have become buddies. So when the man approaches the pig with untoward intention, the dog scares him off. Well, this happens many times over many months. The pig's looking tasty, but the dog ain't having it. One day, the man sees a cruise ship standing in the water. He sees the people on board eating lunch. He notices their luscious buffet, and he waves his arms animatedly and catches the attention of the crew. They send a boat over to him. The crew member asks the man, Now, is there anything I can do before we take you back to the ship? Yes, says the man. Would you mind taking the dog for a walk? (laughs) Do you see how we can be stuck in the past that totally gives us tunnel vision? We picture our world having constraints on it. We, We picture our abilities based on how we have performed in the past, how our life has been in the past. And and so when we use that past to predict where we're going, oftentimes we can't even see the buffet on the cruise ship. We literally have blinders that will lead us down an alley of things we've already experienced. Emotional highs and lows tend to repeat themselves. Very, very dangerous, actually, to live in the past. The good old days tend to pollute the present, and the bad old days tend to limit us into thinking what we're capable of and what we should expect in the world. I have a question for you. How much do you live in the past? So right for a moment, think about how often you remember the way things were, how often do you relive past memories, How often do you recall or regret choices that you've already made? How often do you follow old patterns because they're just easier, going to the same restaurants, ordering the same things off the same menus? How often do you think about old friends, old houses, old times, old events, old jobs? How often do you regret past decisions? So just stop for just a minute And come up with maybe a percentage in your mind. Is it maybe 10% of the time you discover that you're following those old things from the past? Is it 15%? Scientists have said that an average for people is around 10 or 15% of the time we actually spend our times reliving something that's already happened, thinking about things that have already happened, uh, holding on to the past in that way. Okay. So let's be done with the past. What about the future? 
What's wrong with living in the future? What's wrong with making plans for what's going to happen next? What's wrong with having a a rich fantasy life of what it's going to be like when you're retired or what it's going to be like when the kids are finally out of the house and you can have it to yourself? What's wrong with planning on the next job or the the next marriage? What's wrong with with that sweetness that comes with just imagining things as fabulous and sweet and wonderful as they can be? What's wrong with living in the future? Well, I got to say, if you didn't like the past as a place to live, the future isn't much of a bargain either. For one thing, a lot of people, when they're living in the future, it's about worry. For most people, worry is future-oriented, right? I'm worried about my daughter staying out past 10 o'clock because I'm thinking of the things that might happen. I'm worried about losing this job because what would I do uh, in terms of another job? I'm worried actually about my retirement. Will I have enough money? Am I saving enough? Will Social Security still be there when I'm 66? I, I worry about any number of things, and that's future thinking. But... Even if our future thinking is positive, what happens then if we don't achieve it? What if I have this dream, wonderful fantasy life of when I retire, uh, you know, I'm going to be set up nice and the house is going to be paid for and and, uh, I'll have my friends to be with and then what if that doesn't happen? Haven't we spent a fair amount of our time for nothing? I do want to tell you one future-oriented story. So I worked for many years at the telephone company, and one of my very first bosses was named Mr. Corboy. And he was one of those tall, kind of elegant and elderly guys, very thin. And, uh, and even though this was like the, I think it was like the 80s, still we called him Mr. Corboy because he just had that, that sense of, of proprietary about him. I mean, we didn't even know he had a first name. I'm sure he did. Anyway, the other thing about Mr. Corboy was he was probably 80 and he was still working. It's like the guy was working well beyond his retirement age. And I remember in the hall one day, I said, my gosh, you must be looking forward to retirement. And he said, well, you know, uh, we are a little bit. We have plans to travel and we have plans to, uh, uh, to see our grandchildren a lot. We have plans to maybe buy a, a, an RV and travel across the United States, me and my wife. And uh, And shortly after that, he retired, and shortly after that, he died. When we develop the richest plans that you can think of on this planet, they're just dreams, really. You might be saving up all of the good times for a future that never happens. You may be saving up all of your money. You may be saving up, even more importantly, your time, thinking I'll have time for this later. I'll have an opportunity for this later. Later, later. Life is meant to be enjoyed now. Life is about this present moment. In fact, can we actually enjoy life at any time but this present moment. See, I don't think so. I was struggling with this. I was trying to think of a, of a good example of maybe how I could be happy in the future. But really, if I think about some fabulous time in the future that doesn't exist yet, the only happiness I can get is from thinking about that now. Right? 
And even if I pick some fabulous thing that happened, you know, 25 years ago, I may have been happy then, but I can only feel the happiness for it now. So I'm not really creating anything other than happiness now. So let's just create happiness now. Let's let go of all the thinking about or the ruminating about the past. Let's let go of some of the fantasy and tripping about the future. Let us make the most we have of this present moment. Because frankly, it's all we have. We've already seen how thinking too much about the past either spoils the future or sets a bar that can never be hit. We've already seen how the, the future may never come to pass. And yet, and yet, we will go there. So another question for you. How much time do you think that you spend thinking about the future? Now, it could be worrying about something that's going to happen. It could be fantasizing about something lovely that's going to happen. It could be thinking about a vacation coming up or a trip coming up or what happens when the kids are gone or what happens when you finally have tenure at your job or whatever it is. But how much would you say that you think about the future? Is it 5%? Is it 10%? Somewhere in that range is what the scientists say that most people spend uh, either worrying about or fantasizing about the future. All right, now for the ugly truth. Add your two numbers together. For most people on the planet, they're spending nearly a quarter of their time not present. Nearly a quarter of their time is spent stuck in the past or imagining a future that may or may not ever happen. Talk about time management. People, what would you do if you had 25% more time to do the things you love to do, to be focused in on the music you're listening to or the, the friends you have, of the hobbies you have, of, of the things that are important to you and the, the people that you hold dear to you? That is true freedom. You could conceivably reclaim 25% of your time. Now, some of you are very smart. I know this. Actually, most of you, I think, having met most of you by now, are very smart. And so, and so you're going to come up to me afterwards and say, well, Larry, if I can't think about the future, I can never make plans. And if I can't think about the past, I can never correct some of the things, right, that maybe need correcting. Well, the scientists have also worked on that a little bit. And what they have discovered is if things are not corrected or acted upon within about five minutes, the likelihood of them being acted upon approaches zero. So for instance, if you're worrying about the future, you're worrying about your daughter maybe staying out past 10 o'clock, right? Within that first five minutes is your period to act on it, like to make a phone call, you know? Where the heck are you, right? Or to do something about it. Past that five minutes, your likelihood of acting on it reduces zero. And the same things with things from the past, like, like planning a vacation. You're thinking about the vacation. You're likely to actually act on that, you know, make the reservation, do something about it within about five minutes. And if your fantasizing is longer than that, the chances of you acting upon it over time reach zero pretty quickly. 
So it's true. Those of you who are saying, well, wait a minute, don't I need to make plans? Don't I need to act upon some of this information from the future or the past? Sure you do. And if you have spent more than five minutes worrying, you're not going to. If you've spent more than five minutes replaying that angry conversation with your boss, you're probably not going to do anything about it. You're simply re-recording it in your brain with more emotional impact in a way that will mess you up later on. There's really nothing good about worry. There's really nothing good about reminiscing. It literally just tends to mess things up. I'm going to close today with a few thoughts, and I already gave you one tip for our meditation tonight. If you find yourself worrying, if you find yourself fantasizing, you can use that following your breath technique to literally bring you back to the present moment. Another one, if you're, you know, if you're up and about, is simply to really begin visually noticing everything, right? Where am I? What's going on? What's this floor made out of? This is a really soft and nice carpet. If you find yourself going out you know, into the past and the present and you want to bring yourself in, just notice right what's around you. And in fact, try to find the, the goodness and the sweetness in it, right? Try, try to emphasize the feelings you want to feel right in this moment. So if you're, if you're wool gathering in the past to find some more joy, let's find joy right in this moment. Just recognize some of the friends that are right here in this room or the, the comfort of the pews you're sitting in or whatever. Bring yourself back in and feel what it is you desire to feel, but right here, right now, with the things available to you. And then you can begin setting that idea of the present moment in your mind as a good place to be, as a healthy place to be, and a powerful place to be. So you can follow your breath. You can literally use what's around you to, to bring you back and centered. Whatever you need to do to get out, especially of worry, especially about fantasizing, you will only benefit from it. You'll free up a whole lot of time to do the things that you enjoy doing. I'm going to finish up here with a tiny bit of homework your homework, and this will be the, fa the best homework I've ever given you, it's to enjoy the moment. Isn't that nice homework? So next time you're feeling kind of awkward and a little worried about something that happened or is going to happen, just enjoy the moment. The next time that an, a painful memory from maybe childhood or something that happened in the office pops up, just let it go and enjoy, you know, call a friend. Do something to highlight how perfect the moment can be that you're in right now. Some final words from Ernest Holmes, the founder of the Science of Mind. He said in his book, Creative Mind, life is for us today only. There will be no change for tomorrow unless we do the changing in our mind today. Today we are setting in motion the power of the future. Today is God's day. And we must extract from it whatever in life we choose to live. Tomorrow, in the divine course of events, will take care of itself. The soul that learns to live in the great gladness of today will never weary of life. They will find that they are living in an eternal here and now of love and peace. Let us pray. 
There is one power and one presence, one life, one joy. There is this this one thing, and I call it God, and it wraps up the the present, the the past, the future. It's it's all one thing to God. There is only that, that drop of love and life and joy and peace and harmony that exists in and about each one of us to be experienced now. And so what I know about this now is that I live in it. I let go of worries about the past or fears of the future. I I set aside old patterns and habits to, to truly enjoy life as though each day was that promise of a new beginning. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room, that each person here has that capacity for each day being new that we can put aside troubles from the past, we can let go of worries or fantasies of the future, that each person here can seize this blessed moment, a moment of love, a moment of power, a moment of peace, a moment of joy, a moment of beauty. This is the promise of the present moment present perfect. And so I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for God showing up in the now, grateful for my awareness and my ability to to focus on what's really happening and give it my 100% to be in this time and this place with these people 100%. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer. I release it into the activity and action of the law that law that says yes, that law that is love, I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here this evening. So glad you were here.